Welcome to Your Mark on the World, bringing you another changemaker with champion of social good, Devin D. Thorpe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Your Mark on the World show. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe. I'm a contributor at Forbes covering social entrepreneurship and impact investing. Our guest today is Ben Hecht, the CEO of Living Cities. Ben's been on the show before, but a lot has happened in the world since he was on the show 14 months ago. Ben, welcome back. Thank you, and thank you so much for having me, Devin. Well, we're, we're thrilled that you would like to come back and uh, excited to talk to you again. Uh, when you were here on the show 14 months ago, we had an opportunity to talk about some of your great programs and the work that you were doing. But, but my sense is that in the 14 months since you were here, a lot has changed in the world to fuel your passion for your work. Tell us a little bit about what brings you greater energy today than even you had 14 months ago. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the focus of the world really on Baltimore, um, on things in uh, Ferguson, Missouri, on Eric Garner in New York, have really raised the issues that matter so much to living cities and our members, which is the real disparities that this country faces, especially in cities where the majority of people live. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it seems to me that there is, of course, uh, in what you're identifying, there is at least some sort of a racial thread there that, that we've identified that here, 50 years after the civil rights movement, we continue to struggle with this issue in America. Totally right. You know, and, and I think what is so clear is that we're really at a critical time in our country's history where we have to address address that. And, you know, we really think about this as unless we make dramatically better uh, changes to the way social change happens, unless we get dramatically better results, we are going to be facing a majority non-white nation in 2040 that is just significantly different than the one we have and not one that we all want to see this country become. In fact, you suggested that there are some changes we need to make. I think you suggested that we need to ferociously change yes. or, we, or, we, or we face a world in which we run the risk that uh, the majority of the population will be less educated than the majority of our population today, which yes. is a proposition. No, it is. And it's completely uh, not at all what our leaders for more than 100 years have wanted. You know, if you think about from the reason people came to this country almost 300 years ago, they came to actually not have the extreme uh, social you know, distinctions, the caste system that they came from, where there was the very, very rich and everybody else that had no rights. And when you look at the pace of change over the last 50 years and you say, even if we continue on that pace, what it will mean when we're a majority non-white nation is that we'll have a majority that has almost half the income, annual income than the current majority. You know, we'll face a, a nation that has almost half, less than half the uh, college completion rates of the current white majority and maybe even worse is that we'll have a majority that has less than 10% of the wealth of the current 
majority and wealth is really how people get up and out of poverty. It just, uh, it is scary to think about this. And uh, I, I take comfort only in the fact that you exist and that you and others like you are engaged in addressing these problems uh, because it, it is a scary proposition to think about perpetuating the uh, the impacts that we have imposed uh, on uh, so many minorities in, in this country. You know, and, and, and that's why, you know, we're really calling, we, we just issued our annual report that, and, and we, we call it towards a new urban practice. And the idea is that we need to come together, not just living cities and not just our members, but all of us, whether it's a private sector or the for-profit sector or the, not, or the public sector. And we need to say, how do we come together to work together differently to get dramatically better results faster? Because if we stay working the same way, it's essentially, I think it was Ben Franklin who termed the, term, termed the phrase, you know, it is... Um, uh, you are insane if you keep working the same way and expect a different result. And that's where we are. And we, that's where we need to be ferociously committed to a dramatically different result. And we don't know how to get there. So we're all going to have to work together very differently to get there a lot faster. Well, let's talk a little bit about how we work together more effectively. There is a a formal model that's been developed, uh, collective impact. And I, and I think that when you talk about working together, you're really talking about this modern notion of collective impact. Tell us a little bit about what that really means. What are the formal structures that guide a collective impact approach to solving community problems? Yes. And in many ways, Devin, it's common sense. It's almost radical common sense, um, which means uh, what does it mean? It means that the leaders who actually control the current systems, the superintendent of schools, the mayor, the head of the school board, the parents, they all say, just to, just to look at education for one, uh, the employers, they basically come together and admit that the current system isn't working. That's almost like any problem, an alcoholic. <laughs> you know, the first thing is you admit you have a problem. But then what they say is, let's build the data that tells us how bad are we failing and where are we failing? And then saying, let's give ourselves a, a public goal about how we're going to fix it. So if right now 60% of our kids are reading by third grade, how fast do we want to get to 100%? You know, if it's five years, then let's use the data to continuously improve and change where we're putting our resources to make sure we're getting there. And it's this idea of, you know, collectively agreeing on a goal using data to inform your decisions, and actually holding yourself publicly accountable to the change. And we're seeing that happening in a lot of different areas around the country with really promising results. That uh, really makes such, like you say, just radical common sense. And uh, give us an example of how you're using this approach and the results. Yeah, so there's kind of three different areas in which we're working. One of them is in the education area, where we where we work with an organization called the Strive Together Network that now has 64 cities around the country that have agreed to this very rigorous strategy and in places that have been doing it for four or five years, like Cincinnati, Ohio, Seattle, Washington, they're actually seeing indicators in multiple areas trending up towards their goals. 
Another example is uh, our integration initiative that we've talked about before, where in eight cities around the country, leaders have come together to say, okay, New Orleans, 50% of black men are unemployed. What do we have to do to radically change that? And it's an education problem. It's a contracting problem. It's an employment problem. How do we bring those leaders to, to address it in a meaningful way faster? Yeah. Well, you know, it, I reminded of an old, I'm, I'm old. And so everything I learned in school is now old, but an old, uh, you know, sort of business school axiom that you get what you measure. Yes. And it, it, it is interesting that uh, that that basic concept seems to play a critical role in what you're doing. One of the things that that came out of your recent summit, uh, when you brought a group of people together to talk about urban issues, was the need to create urgency without a catastrophe. Yes. Talk to us a little bit about how you think we can do that. Yeah, and one of the reasons that I'm so optimistic that when we do come together to solve these kinds of really challenging problems that we can, is that in fact, where we've had a catastrophe, we've made great strides. So New Orleans after Katrina is a very different place uh, from education to jobs to even the way communities are engaged in the, in the future of New Orleans. Um, and the same in Detroit. When Detroit was collapsing around, you know, into itself, imploding in a way, leaders from philanthropy and the private sector, for example, came together and laid a foundation that now that bankruptcy has given them a fresh start, they're making leaps and bounds progress um, on really difficult issues that many places have been unable to make progress on. But do we really need a horrible hurricane or a ca catastrophic bankruptcy to be able to address these problems at the scale we need to address them? I hope the answer is no. So, but where does the, where do we find the urgency? Is there is there some catalyzing force? Is there uh, what does it take? Yeah, you know, I think what it takes is is uh, and what we've seen it take are leaders in these local places who've basically said, "I've had enough." You know, I'm not going to allow uh, the condition of of my city. I'm not going to allow the condition of uh, the majority of our population, whatever it is. And you know what? No one, there is no white knight. We're going to, we are the future and it's us. You know, I've seen the future and it's us. And, and, and I think that's what we're seeing is this organic local leadership from multiple sectors coming together to, to really heart, uh, take control of the future. This is a, uh, such an important concept because to, to your earlier point, uh, we need uh, radical changes. In a world where in so many urban communities, 50% of the young men are unemployed, we don't need incremental change, we need radical change, just as you're saying. You are uh, really a role model to a lot of people. I mean, you uh, clearly, as, as the CEO of Living City, such a key player in uh, urban development in this country, uh, you are revered by many. Who do you look up to in turn for inspiration, guidance, direction? Well, what's, what's so great is I'm, I'm blessed with being able to work with extraordinary people, you know, and, and one of those along these very same lines is the current president of the Federal Reserve of Boston. 
And that's Eric Rosengren. And Eric was at our, our new urban practice summit a couple of weeks ago in Philadelphia. And what's amazing about Eric is he's a, a leader of one of the 12 Federal Reserve Banks. He's on the committee that sets interest rates, yet he speaks up about the inequalities in our country and actually harnesses the power and resources of the Federal Reserve to, to address that. And so we, we partner with them in the Working Cities Challenge in Massachusetts um, that's about to expand to other places, but it's leaders like Eric um, who really are our inspiration and, and a motivation for people like me and so many others. That's great. That is just such a perfect, specific example. I love it. Now, you are uh, doing some amazing work at Living Cities, but you're an extremely capable guy. I, I suspect you could be doing anything in this world. Uh, what drew you to Living Cities and the work there when you could be on Wall Street making two times, five times, ten times the money? Well, I think the number one thing is the urgency of the problem. You know, these problems didn't just happen overnight. And, and you know, I, I grew up a child of the 60s and the 70s. And, you know, where you saw from civil rights movements, uh, the, the probably the defining experience for me was walking home from sixth grade um, and watching Newark burn. Because I lived about four miles west of Newark um, right after Martin Luther King had been killed. And literally the black smoke was billowing down the street. And, and, and you know, that picture is still very much burned in my, in my mind. And when I see, you know, Freddie Gray and Sandtown, I see Newark burning in 1968. And, you know, I realized that this work needs all of us. Yes, Living Cities, myself and others. Yes, but what it really needs is the many people who maybe every day don't get up to do this work to essentially say, I need to be a part of this solution. I need to bring my organization, my resources, what I know, my friends to this effort, these kinds of efforts. Well, that is a great segue into my uh, final question for you. And that is how you've been so successful. You've done so much. Uh, give us a tip on how individually we can each have more impact. Well, I think there's a number of ways. Um, one way is literally to look around the community in which you live and say, what could I do to contribute? Um, oftentimes that contribution, small or large, could make a huge difference and actually bring other people to it as well. Oftentimes, simply the, the people's inability to get up and act um, is the biggest barrier to change. The, the other is um, that there are ways that people can invest their time, but even more importantly, their money um, in ways that could actually make a significant contribution um, to, the, to the problems. And sometimes those are at local funds, um, whether I was just at the uh, anniversary of the Venture Philanthropy Partners here in Washington yesterday, which is a group of high net worth folks who simply said, we're going to get together and collectively bring our dollars to a problem that we care about um, because we know on our own we can't uh, make that kind of impact. You know, so look around your own community and say, is there a way I could bring my resources? Um, and I know, Devin, you cover impact investing a lot uh, on your show and in, in your writing, but there are huge and increasing number of opportunities, including with Living Cities, um, to be able to put your dollars to work and get a social as well as a financial return. 
And and that is an exciting, exciting uh, advent uh, that, that really is still very new, but just mushrooming in scale all around us as more and more people see the opportunity to use their money for good and still get it back. Totally right. Uh, and very, very exciting. And it's fun and exciting to see more and more foundations uh, deploy their money in a way that their investment dollars for yeah. income, not just their grant making. And if there's anybody, you know, who's watching this, who wants to know more or want to be a part of it, they could email us at the hub at livingcities.org. You know, if they could do it with us, great. If they can't, we'll, we'll, we'll send them to a place that would be meaning, you know, where they could make a meaningful contribution. Oh, fantastic. Are, are there other ways that people can engage and connect with you, Ben? Yeah, I'd say, you know, that, like I said, at the hub, at livingcities.org or to me directly, you know, uh, uh, we're, we're very active on Twitter, either at Ben Hecht uh, on Twitter or at living underscore cities on Twitter. Uh, but we are part of a robust uh, online community of folks trying to do this work. And we'd love for people to engage with us there. Well, Ben, thank you very much for taking the time to be with us today. I congratulate you on the great work you're doing. I, I admire the passion you feel for uh, our urban cities, the people who live there, uh, and especially for those who are underprivileged and, and seem to be victims of, of the society we've built that, that works so well for so many of us. So we, we need to figure that out, and I'm grateful for the work you're doing. Thank you very much. All righty. Let's do some good. Thank you. Thank you for listening. This podcast was recorded via Google Hangouts on Air and is available at youtube.com forward slash Devonthorpe. Subscribe to this podcast on Stitcher or iTunes by searching for Your Mark on the World. Every weekday, Devon hosts a CEO, celebrity, entrepreneur or other changemaker here on the Your Mark on the World show to inspire and prepare you to make your mark. Devin is a champion of social good, writing about, advocating for, and advising people who are doing good. He is a Forbes contributor who is a recognized thought leader in social entrepreneurship, impact investing, and crowdfunding. To book Devin as a speaker, visit devinthorpe.com. Learn more about Devin's work at yourmarkontheworld.com.